Let's start off with a prayer. God, we're just so grateful for spring and for warmer weather, God. And we just pray that we'll be open to your word and your spirit uh, tugging at our hearts. Father, pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Um, okay, so welcome to class. Anyone here for the first time? Can I single you out? Okay, all right. Hey, hello. So we're going to do a little bit of review. We've had two classes so far. The first class was just an introduction on the whole premise of the class, which I'll touch on briefly. The second class was the beginning to look at the teachings of Jesus on prayer, which we started, and I'll summarize that pretty quickly here in a minute. Um, And then we'll get on to the second half of the teachings of Jesus on prayer. And then next week we kind of move into sort of the actual what are the traditions and sort of getting specific on some of those things. So... um, the tradition of the week. This has happened a lot lately. When someone sneezes, like we always say something. Uh, by the way, the memes on the internet go two directions. One is, after three sneezes, I'm not blessing you anymore, okay? Get, get, get it under control. That's one direction. One of them is, I sneezed and nobody said anything, but they always bless all my coworkers when they sneeze. I'm not joking. I have summarized the internet for you on, on blessings for sneezes. So you have to be careful about starting these things. I mean, the best we can tell, this one started in 590 A.D. to ward off the plague. And there's some other theories, but it's really, really old. Anyone get kind of offended if you sneeze? It's okay. If you sneeze and there's just silence from the people around you, you're like, hey, yeah, that's okay, yeah. I'm right here sneezing. Yeah, Brian, a little bit. Mm-hmm. That was, for the, for, the, for the internet, that was Brian Winger. <clears throat> yeah. What if you're offended because they keep saying it? You would be, right, yeah, you would be, Sue Poland. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny, isn't it? And so it's just become manners. That's what it's become. It's manners. We, I should probably say something. You've sneezed. I, unfortunately, am a three-sneeze person. Like, I don't sneeze in ones. And I just want to tell people, one's okay. You don't have to do every one. But they just feel like, boy, I said it once. i got to keep going. Anyway, I think it's a tradition. It's just like this bred in our culture. We don't teach it to anybody. It feels wrong if we don't do it. God's kind of fallen out of the blessing. It's just now bless you. Um, but, you know, p- pretty powerful. And um, good luck taking a run at this one. Like, let's start a revolution to get rid of bless you for sneezes, Sue. You can lead that charge, and we'll be right behind you. Tradition of the week. Unrelated, but I've been noticing prayer on TV because of this class primarily. Anyone a, a This Is Us watcher? I'm not ashamed. Anyone up to... Are we all caught up? Who's not caught up? Everyone caught up? Who's caught up? Right hands. Did you guys notice the prayer in this week's? Kind of. So, so prayer is universal, but praying to Yahweh is a little out of fashion. So when they want to show people being spiritual, they kind of come up with other ways to pray, but not to the Christian Hebrew God. And they did that on This Is Us this week. Pretty clever. Um, I won't say any more. For those who get caught up, we'll talk. 
Yeah, won't, won't spoil. I don't like spoilers. There is a prayer. Okay, that's the spoiler. Um, I also was watching one of my top ten historical all-time movies, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And there's a great prayer in there by George Clooney. And then a complete dismissal of the prayer <laughs> by George Clooney uh, because he thinks that uh, that's for superstitious people. But it was it's pretty clever. And then in the last two weeks, I watched Hacksaw Ridge. Never seen it before. And um, there's a really interesting prayer at the end of that movie, too. Um, that's kind of a combination of sincere spiritual belief and superstition. <laughs> uh, anyone, can I, spoil, can I spoil it? Anyone seen it? Okay. So it's based on a true story. I really recommend it. Really violent, so be careful about that. But um, it's about a conscientious objector that goes to, into war in World War II without carrying a weapon. And he's very heroic. He's a medic. And just at the end of that, so they all laugh at him and scoff him, all the tough guy soldiers with guns, till he saves a bunch of them. And then, then they won't go into battle till he prays. <laughs> and he prays off to the side, by the way. He doesn't, he doesn't say a prayer in front of them. He just goes and says a private prayer, and they're just waiting for him and waiting. And then he's done, and like, let's go, you know, because we've been kind of been let. Interesting. So pay attention to some of those things and kind of see what it is that we believe culturally about, about prayer. And again, for those of you who weren't here, just to summarize, tradition is universal, it's human, it's kind of the way God made us to give us like frameworks to put together our life that change from time and place, and they're not necessarily bad, but they can become bad. They can lose their time and place and not be appropriate for the time and place where they were are now, but from where they were started. And they can cause us to kind of single out people who are different from us. They can divide us, and we can even judge people maybe as sinning or, or less spiritual and those kinds of things in some of the spiritual traditions. So they, we have to be careful with them, is all. And so two weeks ago, or in the last class, you know, I kind of broke down what, what I had come across as the teachings of Jesus and the things I think are definitely teaching, things that are more permission, and I'll talk about those in one slide at the end of the class today, and then casual mention, and because I think some of the casual mention things aren't necessarily teaching and don't have maybe the same weight as, as when Jesus says, look, I'm, I want to teach you now about prayer, as opposed to just some casual mentions. I don't really go into that too much in class. but And so to summarize, we looked at Matthew 6 a lot uh, two weeks ago, and this was, you know, uh, I'm not going to read it to you, but it's the part where he says, you know, don't be like the hypocrites, um, who like to pray in public so that people will see them. And so I've just kind of summarized what I think is being taught in these, just to kind of catch us back up. The temptation is that we can get positive attention from people for being spiritual. And that can kind of become nice. And the thing we want to repeat, it validates us, it, it becomes our worth. The symptom from Matthew 6 is praying to impress other people. Thinking about other people as you pray so that they will continue to think that you're holy, spiritual, a good person. Um, that's, what it, that's how it manifests. It manifests itself as, I was going to put, praying to the crowd. I thought that was clever. Because uh, there's a phrase called playing to the crowd, I think. See, yeah, that's, all my references are too obscure um, if you have to explain them. And the outcome is, according to the verse, that you have received your reward in full. 
100% rewarded by the people that gave you attention and your motivation being what it was. And we talked a little bit about that, and I, I just kind of believe that God doesn't really honor those prayers. He can if he wants, but he generally doesn't, is what I think the passage is saying. So, pretty significant. <laughs> he doesn't mince words on these things, which I, th- I appreciate about Jesus. Any thoughts on that? We're kind of reviewing, that's okay. And then in that same passage, he talks about pagans. Don't be like the pagans. Um, and I'm going to cover a little bit more about what that verse says. The temptation is to trust in the quantity of our words in prayer. If I really, really like gussy this up with a lot of words and a lot of flowery words and a lot of spiritual words, then my prayer will be more effective. So the symptom is using a lot of words. It's, I, I felt like I was making this too simple, but that is the symptom that they're talking about, I think, in this passage, that a lot of unnecessary words, let's say. It would have been a better way to say that. And the outcome is that we are believing in the power of our words. And this passage, which we'll read in a minute, says, God already knows your needs before you ask. It doesn't take a lot of words. It does take words, but not a lot of words. So this belief in ourselves that we, it's up to me for this prayer to be long and wordy to get the outcome that I want is sort of the shifting away from a trust in God to a trust in me. I trust in me to pray this right to have the outcome that comes. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Because last week, or two weeks ago, I said I was going to explain. When we came to this passage, I said, don't, don't look up anything on your phone on, on this passage. And I'll explain why. You can, you can do that now or you can do it later. I wasn't forbidding it forever. But there's some things I think in passages like this we kind of fall into a little bit of a, a danger. So I think it goes like this. This is the passage. Um, I think when we, because there are so many resources available to us today to research things. You know, in, in, in the old days when I was growing up, you might have three or maybe even four concordances on your bookshelf. Two things which don't exist anymore. <laughs> um, concordances and bookshelves. Um, maybe a Bible dictionary to kind of write along that and three or four versions of the Bible. That was a pretty stocked out uh, spiritual library. But now we've got all this stuff. So I, I think the danger can be, and it's not that it's wrong to do it. I think the danger is we'll focus on these two words. What was this babbling? And someone is going to tell us. And like you'll, when you do this, you'll read that these were magical incantations. They were, they were like uh, saying magic phrases. And, and who were the pagans? And they'd say, well, these were worshipers of these certain idols that did awful things. And possibly a danger is once we do that and say, I don't do that and I'm not them. I don't do magical incantations. But the point is um, the many words and your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus was not talking to pagans. He was talking to Jews who were one God Yahweh followers, and yet he still felt it was worthy to say, don't be like the pagans with their babbling. So if they weren't doing magical incantations and they weren't pagans, if they were kind of like our, if we dig too deep into the research, we would have said, well, that's not me and that's not me, so I can ignore it. But he wanted them to hear something. So it's not that it's wrong to do it. 
is that we can come to the conclusion that this passage doesn't apply to me because I don't do either of those things. I'm not that person. But we can pray like pagans. That's why Jesus told Jews and that's why he's telling us. We can be like them. The danger is to be like them. And the principle is that not to put our trust in many words, but to know that our Father knows what He needs before we ask Him and to pray accordingly. Does that make sense? A little bit. That's why I kind of wanted to... And you can, you can research it all you want. Like I said, it's not a ban. I just didn't want to... It, it can be a little bit of a distraction and we can end up making passages not apply to us that probably do if we go... I don't want to say too deep, but if we get too distracted by what sometimes I call a little bit of the Bible trivia. Does that make sense? You know, like, so. Any comments on that? Okay, you guys are focused. So there's a really good example of this that I wanted to kind of bring up because I think it's important. Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel is, I think, a crystal example of this. So... The prophets of Baal were definitely pagans. <laughs> uh, and if you remember this from 1 Kings chapter 18, they had a, they had a prayer off. <laughs> and, and, and Elijah says, you first. And they say, okay. So they prepare an altar and they put a bowl on it. And then from morning to midday, they did a bunch of praying and a lot of spiritual kind of mumbo-jumbo to try to get their god Baal to show a sign. And then at midday, Elijah starts mocking them and says, oh, you're probably just not being loud enough. Be louder. And they're like, right, they, they do it. It's kind of funny. He's really manipulating them. And they're like, so they get louder and they're, they're dancing, they're shouting, they're shouting some more, they're cutting themselves. And then at the end, they're even doing frantic prophesying. So this is for, and that goes to evening, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of pagan ritual. Elijah prays a 59-word prayer after them. And I read it as slowly as I could out loud, and I can barely get to 30 seconds. I got to 22 the first time. He prays a prayer of 30 seconds because he knows God is already aware of what's happening on Mount Carmel. He doesn't even say what he asked for. He just says, answer me, Lord. He doesn't say, can you come down with fire from above and consume the bull on the altar and all the seed and even dry up the water that's in the moat around the altar? None of that. He just says, God, me, Mount Carmel, Baal. He doesn't even say that. Just answer me, Lord, and show your power. So, again, it's not necessarily a proof text, but I think it fits in nicely with this Matthew 6 passage about the babbling and the many words and the trust. Now, they were praying to a God that doesn't exist. But we do pray to a God exists and who knows exactly what is happening around us right now. Whether we tell Him the details or not. Which is why we talk about those short prayers we talked about last week. Any thoughts on, on this before we move on? Yeah, Corey? Yep. That is going to fit in a later class. No, it, it actually comes up today. It's a really good point. It, it does. So, so the difference between many words and praying continually is something we'll definitely talk about. But I, when we get to First Thessalonians, I'm going to make us look at all of the other things 
that we get told to do. There's a lot of things in that passage, and we've kind of, not you, but we've kind of, we know that one by heart, and we don't know the other ones as well. Kathy? Okay. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, we're you're right. You're, that's a fair point. Um, Jesus definitely teaches that many words may be us trying to superstitiously think that's where the power is. That's what I tried to say, and it doesn't take that many words to for God to know what we need. But we are going to look at examples today where it's you know it's not just a thirty second prayer. It's not, but in general, as a principle. Prayer may take fewer words than we sometimes think. Is, is, and we might be tempted to say, I'm going to put a lot of words, and we'll talk about that. And Christy? I think God speaks to different people in different ways because He's struggling with different things. Okay. And I think that He speaks to people in different ways because He's struggling with different things. Okay. And I think that He, you know, if you are being wordy and doing it for, to, in order to look holy and, mm-hmm. and awesome on the side of your fears, He's going to tell you, don't do that. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But we also can't take give ourselves permission to do things that Christ is saying think think about these. So we'll talk about repetition here today and, and night long prayers, all kinds of things like that. So, so time is not necessarily the same as many words, even though I did this. But I, yeah, Heather? Yeah, the, and it's, a, it's probably a distinction without a difference. They were prayers set to music, intended to be sung by or heard by multiple people. And I, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, it's probably better. I appreciate all that. I probably have made this point maybe too narrow, but we're going to open it back up here in a bit for sure. Yes, Haley. Right. And so sometimes when I pray, I may say more, but I'm not saying 
Right. And what I think. And so I think sometimes, I think there's a difference between babbling to appear righteous and holy For sure. in front of other people. And I think there's a difference between babbling because I don't know what I think. Yeah. And I need God to guide me in that. Yeah, and you know, Kathy and Heather and Christy and Haley, you're, you're all hitting on the same theme, which is the volume of words is not always the same, nor is it always condemned. And I agree with that. So you're, you're right. Um, and and that kind of gets to the foundation of what is prayer. And sometimes it's us working out things in conversation with our God. And it isn't a negative motivation. So there's room for that. Sue? The pagan verse from Matthew 7? Yeah. Yeah, they're not talking about a public prayer to be seen. It's your private, you and God in a closet, if you will, kind of prayer. Yeah, and we're definitely going to talk about that. Let's, um, let's look at some of that. So the other thing was the Lord's Prayer that we looked at last class. And again, what, we, what I pointed out was there's the Lord's Prayer and then there's Jesus' commentary on the Lord's Prayer and the only thing He comments on is forgiveness. Out of the whole Lord's Prayer, He says, and I'd like to uh, emphasize forgiveness. And He says that, you know, that we're to forgive others as we've been forgiven. And the temptation is to expect forgiveness from God, but to be unwilling to even think about it or pray about it or give it to others. And the symptom is pretty obvious that in our prayer life, we're not looking for people to forgive or saying we're not working through forgiveness for others in our prayer when it's appropriate. Maybe not every prayer, but when it's appropriate. And this is what Jesus says, that there's a connection between our willingness to forgive and Jesus' willingness to forgive. Now, that violates another tradition or a teaching that we have about how grace works. But this is not the only time in the Bible or in the New Testament that it says there's a connection between your willingness to forgive and your ability to receive forgiveness. So it's, it, it flies in the face of what we believe about grace in some ways, but it's, I think, a pretty clear teaching. And it's the, you know, they said, how should we pray? He said, pray this way. And then he said this about forgiveness. It seemed to be really important. And again, I think Jesus is continually addressing the most common temptations human beings will have. That is to take, but not to give. To try to get you know feedback from people that we're good through being seen by trying to influence by, by our many words. And I think those are the main teachings. Any, anything on this? Again, I know this is... I don't know if it's oversimplified, um, but I don't think Jesus was trying to trick us with an alternate meaning. I really don't. There's a connection, I believe, between forgiveness and our ability to receive forgiveness. But, okay, well. So, that was, that was review. Part two of Definitely Teaching, and we'll get into some of these, these topics we brought up today. Mark 11 Have faith in God, Jesus said. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 
when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your, your sins. So that's just kind of a, a reemphasis, but I'd like to more focus on the if you believe it and pray it in faith, you will get it. We'll talk about it in a minute. I think there's another passage here. Matthew 7 is like it, and then we'll talk about them together. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And I'm going to hold off on the rest of the passage um, because we're going to cover that in a minute. So let's just focus on ask, and it will be given to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. So in these two passages, which are tricky for me, I... I don't have a lot of answers here. Is that a teaching of Jesus on prayer? Is it fit in this section of definitely teaching or or not? Or what does it mean? Any Anyone batting a thousand on their prayer life? Um, um, so uh, can we judge people who don't get what they prayed for and say, well, you didn't have faith? Can we just say things like that to them? Should, should we? Well, why not? The passage says, ask, believe, seek. You'll get, you know, believe in faith. It'll be given to you, Christy. Right. And I think that finally stopped the argument. But it was a it was a tough like thing because I felt really judged because we were trying to come to terms with that. And you know, we could have been healed and we tried to go and pray for that, but we also tried to come to terms with whatever God you know may happen that we were okay with. And so I feel like you can really take that thing that Okay. It can be taken to it. Yep. Sure. Yeah. I, I definitely think we should be careful about, you know, like telling each other what we should pray for and what it means when our prayer didn't come the way we want it to. Um, but what does it mean in this passage, Jason? Um, I, I think that looking at this verse, it, it, it's really important to just have a maybe a good definition of prayer. And if I were to write my Christmas list to Santa, you know, in essence, and tell God all these things that I want, that I want, that I want, I don't know if that's, I mean, you, that's a conversation with God, yeah, but would I call that prayer? Or is prayer really a time where I have that conversation with God and through all of my wants and wishes and stuff, am I being transformed to realize that I'm trying to align myself with God's will. Mm. And is that prayer? Like, instead of me having these requests and seeing what God is going to say yes or no to. So, so when it says that whatever I ask for in prayer, you believe that I receive it, maybe that act of prayer and that definition is when I align myself with God's will. Mm. That's, that's prayer. And then, yeah, I think you are going to receive uh, what you ask for when you try and align yourself with that. Right. I'm going to go to Nicole next. Has anyone...
prayed a real specific prayer, not been given that specific thing, but been giving been given a surprising thing that was better. Yeah. So I have. And so so did I get what I asked for? No. But I got more than I could ask or expect. So yes. And it was different. It was completely different than what I expected. And it took me a while to realize that it was God blessing me in a way I hadn't thought of yet. And that it took me a while to kind of mature into to see. So I would say that fits in this passage, which is, right, I get what you're getting for, asking for because you're a human and you don't know what to ask for maybe. But I've got things in store for you that are, and by better, I don't mean ple- more pleasant. I mean more blessing spiritually. Not a healing of a disease maybe, but a mental state to honor God through a disease kind of a thing. Yeah, Nicole? Please make it, no, make it, no, I'd like to hear. Okay. Uh, thank you. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Joel, no. And it's into the microphone. That helps the listeners. We have one. Joel. <laughs> Joel. Yeah. But, but physically, like, it's just physically, like, we're all going to die. I mean, in general. Right. Unless. Yep. A lot of people have died. 99% of those people and the loved ones around those people didn't want that person to die and said a prayer for them not to die and they died. Right. So, th- this passage, I kind of, I know he can and has physically. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to talk because Nicole has a point. <laughs> no, I mean, I think about it in two. One, I think Bill's right. I think it, it's more about spirituality and spiritual things and things of God's mind, not of earthly things. It's like, oh, I want a new car, so I'm going to pray for a new car. That's not, I mean, if God sees that you need a new car to keep you go through things and serve others, then maybe, yeah. If you want a new car just so you can flash, you know. It's, a, it's not a, an 
Yeah. Yeah. So if in our ignorance, because we're humans and we're trapped in the now and the desperation of the prayer, uh, we might pray for things that feel right to us. And and I I don't think that these verses are saying, "Mm, you better figure out what God's will is. And I'm I'm playing a guessing game with you. Guess my will. And when you pray it, you'll get it. I think that can be superstition. But God is a loving Father. We'll talk about the Father in a minute. Um, and, you know, he, I, I, you know he, he just wants us to... And I, I, think, I think Joel's point is well taken that uh, our prayer should start leaning more towards the spiritual blessing and the spiritual needs in our life. And not to the exclusion of the physical, but not exclusively the physical. Because we, we often won't get that. Was there, sorry, Stephen and Corey? Um, Jesus likes to speak <clears throat> with hyperbole. Mm-hmm. Whatever he does, it's kind of a, a warning bell to me that something's going on. And so it seems like this mountain throwing itself into the sea seems like a hyperbolic statement. Yeah. And, and what he's talking about later is back to the forgiveness thing. Like, I think that the hardest thing in the world for me to do is to forgive somebody sometimes or to be forgiven by God for my sins. That seems impossible. But he's, I, it seems like this is kind of a, it, like people are saying, it, this doesn't seem to be like, here's the formula for getting this stuff you want. It's even the super hardest thing in the world, which is forgiving or being forgiven, God can do that if, if you are, like, you're sincere about it. Right. Yeah, and I'll, after Corey's comment, I'd like to tell you the two things I can get from these passages pretty confidently, and then we'll move on to some of the other things. But, Corey? Um, I think we just can't untangle this from the Lord's Prayer. Okay. Because he, he told them how to pray, and now he's saying, when you do that, believe it. And they didn't say, God, my will be done, my will be done. Right. And so I think you're receiving his will, and you're believing that. I think if we think about it like we could think God's a genie in a bottle, right? But instead of rubbing the lamp, we have to first go alone. We have to not use a lot of words or use words. And then we have to, um, you know, uh, believe it. And then we can rub the bottle and we're going to get what we want. Right. And I think if we're if we're not untangling these, but we're, we're putting them all together into God's, you know, he, he prayed for his kingdom. Not just for ourselves, like we pray for His will overall too, over the whole, His whole kingdom, right? And His will, and so is it is praying just asking for God and trying to get our way in that somehow, or is it what how He taught us to pray and what to pray for? Right. Yeah. Good point. Um, 
We so uh, yeah, those are all really good comments, and I don't I don't mean to cut it off. I just want to say what I so I, here's what I can get from this passage: have faith enough to pray for what it is that you have on your heart. Um, be willing to be willing to give everything to God in prayer. Uh, be willing to have your big ask. Don't hold that back on that. Um, then there's about prayer and faith. You know, but believe that God. And again, I think believing God's will is very important here. Believe that God's will is perfect, and that He will be with you through whatever it is, whatever this is, in some way. So there's a there's a ask, and there's a faith element to this. I know that's. I, I just am not capable of telling you exactly what it means. And in this one, there's a similar thing. Go ahead and ask. Now, I don't have time, but we didn't cover this, but you can't ask for ungodly things and God will give them to you. You can't ask for sinful things and God will give them to you. You can't ask for things that are contrary to His will and give them to you. So that goes without saying when we talk about, you know, hey God, that woman over there, you know, boy, I'd sure like to have her. Can I have, you know, that, that's never going to happen. or It's not an answer from God if it is. So we, we, we do that about kind of godliness and those things that are sinful. But that's true of anything that's not quite aligned with His will. So lining up with His will and being open to that I think is really important. But there's definitely, in both of these passages, this encouragement to ask, which means you know pray about things. Pray about the things that are going on. Pray things as metaphorically large as mountain going to the sea. That feels like that to you. Pray, pray about it. Have faith when you do. Trust in God when you do. Um, you know, be persistent, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. So I don't know all the other details about how it all works, but I definitely see those things as truth in there. Jason? Just real quick, uh, I was reading Luke 11, and the first 13 verses are a really nice commentary uh, of some of this stuff. And so Luke 11. I think Luke 11, first 13 verses. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't think I am today. You guys are all breaking my rules, but Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Bending. So, I think a lot of what I'm getting out of this is if we were to spend more time with God talking to Him, probably going to help us out a lot. Um, as far as the forgiveness thing, you mentioned that so much because it's probably the hardest thing we have to deal with. Right. 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 And physical things, again, we, we need to pray for those too. God, God, God gave us, Jesus gave us permission in the Lord's Prayer to do that for sure. Daily bread. Um, but you're, you're right. Um, the forgiveness and the physical are the, the, the asking for our forgiveness and the physical are kind of the easy things we can sink our teeth into. And the forgiving others and the spiritual are a little bit harder, so we, we sort of ignore them sometimes. Daniel? 
Right. The temple was not a place um, for exchanging goods, and it wasn't about the power of some animal or that animal's blood to forgive. It was about God's power to forgive. And so Israel's meeting in this place, you know, where at one point this was a holy place where where God offered His forgiveness, and there were even provisions for people who couldn't afford, you know, to to be forgiven for the right thing. They could just offer something else, you know. Yeah. System almost, yeah. Yeah, Right. Give up. That's the repetition we were kind of struggling with earlier 
in the class. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. That part is the same. But he is going to give justice justice and quickly, unlike the unjust judge. So the only way they're similar is that God is encouraging us that even though he's not like the unjust judge at all, it says, pray and don't give up. Keep praying. Persist. It's kind of a weird thing. He's not like the unjust judge. He's going to hear us. He's going to be more quick than the unjust judge with something, whatever that something is. Does that make sense a little bit? We sometimes God, we make God just like the unjust judge. If you wear him out, he'll give you what he wants. We are being asked to like, keep praying. I think that's mostly for our benefit. And then real quickly, the other one which you talked about is, and we talked about, Nicole talked about, you know, the loving father. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, etc.? If you, even though you're evil, which he just means sinners, you're a sinful human, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts? And again, how is God like an, a sinful father? Not much. He's like the perfect father. The reason they do overlap a little bit, they both do have concern for their children. And they will make sure that they have what they need, not what they ask for always, but what they need. And so both of the, these have this idea of persistence. And because of the time, we'll pick it up next week, but this we'll, we'll try to put all these together. Not a lot of words, uh, or, or not babbling like pagans, not that, that kind of shallow word, not being seen, uh, asking, and then being persistent. How do they all fit together? Can they fit together, or do they conflict with each other? And then just I want to show you one more slide. We'll have to come back to these. But... You know, when we get to the permission part, and I'll just cover it briefly. You know, Jesus, um, he spent all night. In, he spent all night in prayer. By the way, that's Matthew six. This is not the Garden of Gethsemane. This is early on in his ministry. Just prayed all night. So, all night praying is okay. Uh, in the in the garden, he went he went away from the disciples three times and came back, and they were sleeping. And it says, and he went back and prayed the same thing. He prayed the same thing three times. So that's to sort of, and we'll, we'll try to put it all together next week. But there's a way that I think all these things can fit together. And, you know, by the way, it takes a lot of words to pray all night. It takes a lot of words to pray all night. So we'll figure out what that means a little bit next week and keep going. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it.